In the fields of public health, a lot of professionals tell an allegory about a river. In this story, two people are walking along a river. It's a beautiful sight. The day is sunny and the water is clear. Up ahead is a large, gorgeous waterfall. But as they walk toward the waterfall, their view changes. They see that there are dozens of people struggling to swim in the churning waters at the bottom of the falls. The two people start running towards the falls, hoping to do something to help. The closer they get, the more clearly they can see. There are several people helping to pull people from the water, but dozens have already died. And more and more people keep coming. They're tumbling over the waterfall, struggling to swim. The people on the shore keep rushing into the water, trying to pull them out, but the injuries keep piling up. One of the people that, just minutes before, had been strolling peacefully, races to the water's edge. She pulls people from the water. She's wading into the water, rushing to help those that are clearly injured and clearly at risk of drowning. The second person waits a beat and then starts running, but instead of running towards the water, she instead runs up the path. She's running as fast as she can. Where are you going? hollers her friend as she pulls people from the water. We need help desperately here. I'm running upstream, the second person shouts back, to stop whatever is sending these people into the river. I'm Jody, And I'm Elise. And on this episode of A Daily Dose, we're going to talk about prevention. In our previous episodes, we've heard so much about environmental chemicals and some of this information we've received from experts working to address serious health concerns can be overwhelming. That feeling of being overwhelmed can get in the way of realizing what we can do to tackle this problem. We're going to return to several of the scientists we've talked to in our previous episodes to get their advice on what we can do to protect ourselves from endocrine disruptors and other environmental pollutants. But we're not going to stop there. We also want to talk about the need for systemic change. How can we run upstream and figure out why people are falling into the river? or if someone or something is pushing them in. So in many ways, it feels like there aren't enough regulations to protect us from harmful chemicals in our environment. In the chemicals regulated under the Toxic Substance Control Act, or TOSCA, alone there are more than 40,000 chemicals listed, and there must be more we don't even know about. It'd be impossible to have all these chemicals studied and regulated for safety. Dr. Bruce Lamphere explained this conundrum. Despite all the evidence that we know these chemicals can be toxic and that they can be toxic at very low levels, we still assume that they're innocent until proven guilty, which by default means that millions of people, maybe billions of people, have been exposed before we start to regulate them. Because that's the way we've set this up. And it makes no sense unless you care more for profits than you do for people. Since it would take a lot of resources and funding to examine each chemical before permitting it for use, our health is outweighed by the economic cost. It seems like if we want to be protected, it's kind of our job to do the best we can to reduce exposures. I know. That's really disappointing. 
but we do have some power over our, our chemical exposures, and one huge way we can reduce them is decreasing our use of plastics. Plastics are full of endocrine disrupting chemicals that leach out into our food and water. You may be familiar with BPA, which is found in plastic water bottles, for example. So if you wanted to avoid this chemical, you may purchase a plastic water bottle that's labeled BPA-free. Okay, that seems like a good step in the right direction of prevention. Wait, I wasn't giving you advice because, in fact, those BPA-free plastics may not be safer. In many cases, such plastics are made with BPA replacements like BPS and BPF, which are virtually the same, so the safer option would be to use glass or metal. Wow, they certainly don't make it easy for us to protect ourselves. No, and it's frustrating that you need to be educated on this topic to make smart choices. The labels don't say, this water bottle is BPA-free but full of BPS and BPF. And even if it did, I probably wouldn't know what BPS or BPF are. It takes a lot of effort for the average consumer to do proper research on all of these different chemicals and all of the different ways we can be exposed to them. Unfortunately, getting educated about prevention is a dead end for a lot of people. Even if you know about all the safest options, they may not be affordable or accessible to you. I think that applies to a lot of people. Definitely, but you can still do your best to reduce your exposures. For example, Dr. Genoa Warner shared with us an easy way to check on our product choices. There are websites and apps that can tell you what's in what if you want to learn how to, you know, what's in certain things that you don't really know about, like where flame retardants are or um, what produce to buy organic that it, like will have fewer pesticides and, and what kind of produce pesticides aren't really used on much anyway, so it doesn't really matter. There are a lot of resources online. Apps like that are super helpful because you can prioritize which items are most important to be organic or free from known hazardous chemicals. If you're financially able and have a supermarket close to where you live, a great prevention method for you might be to cut out all processed food and spend your hard-earned cash on organic produce whenever you can. But this is impossible for everyone. Dr. Leonardo Chisande helped us understand different prevention methods for different groups of people and why it's necessary to do our best to protect everyone. The fact is that um, people of color in low-income populations have disproportionate exposures to these chemicals, and that's because foods, materials are marketed to those populations in addition to legacy contamination, intentional dumping proximity due to hazardous waste, it's a host of things. We've shown that that disparity explains modest, but important part of the disparities that we see in chronic diseases that affect kids and adults. So there's safe and simple steps we can all take to limit these exposures. The good news is you don't need a PhD in chemistry and this doesn't have to break the bank. So avoiding canned food consumption, straightforward way to reduce your bisphenol levels. Phthalates in high as well as low-income populations, they've been successfully reduced. In high-income populations, it was substituting diet. In a low-income population, it was just reading the label on cosmetics that produced a substantial reduction in exposure. Okay, I get the idea of altering your prevention methods for different groups, 
but I feel like some of these choices are totally out of reach for a lot of people. I definitely agree. Being able to buy produce for your family instead of processed food has turned into a luxury, so it's unfair to blame consumers for not making smart choices. And if you're struggling to put food on the table for your family, are you really going to have the freedom of choosing personal care products that are more natural or free from all hazardous chemicals? So this is where having control of your health kind of feels like a privilege and not a right. Doesn't it seem like it's time for industries and the government to start protecting us? The amount of change we can make ourselves is so limited. So we need a supportive system to help us maintain a healthy environment to live in. Yes, and in other words, we need a paradigm shift. Let's hear what Professor Youssef Olhot has to say about this. Now, we have the duty of doing our best. Okay, and our best is not just regulations. It might be it, it might be paradigm shifts in, in how we live. So uh, one thing is I, that I think of is there is a big uh, deal about electric cars. Okay, uh, to save the environment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, electric cars need batteries that have lead and heavy metals, etc. So when, when we're talking about a paradigm shift, it, it, for me, it's not pushing for electric cars, it's pushing for people to walk or to bike. It's pushing, it's pushing for cities that are more human, humane, uh, including the last things we know about the benefits of built environment where you don't need cars, uh, a better walkability, better green spaces, etc. Uh, so people can live in ways where they no longer need cars for their everyday life. Probably they would need it to travel, but then you can have better railway system or things like that. So it's, and, and these are, it may, it may sound like, oh, this may be expensive and we don't have the, like every time we don't have the money, but the benefits of these are much, much bigger than these monetary costs you're gonna invest. Okay, let me see if I can summarize some things we've talked about today. If you want to be protected from harmful chemicals in our environment, you need to protect yourself. But for a large percentage of the population, many of those small steps are out of reach. So it's not really in our control, but it is in our control, and the government isn't really helping us. I'm confused. What it boils down to is we do not have the protection we need from our government. So for those who are in a place to make critical choices, buying safer products is the only way to protect your health. But even when we're doing our best, and even when we can afford those safer products, we still might make mistakes because products are often labeled if they're free from one hazardous chemical. Like those BPA-free plastics. But it doesn't mean that they're free from all EDCs. And this is broadly referred to as regrettable replacements or regrettable substitutions. Because the replacement chemical ends up being just as concerning as the chemical you were trying to avoid. Regrettably, you got that right.
okay, there are some things we can do, which usually involve more careful shopping. But those choices are often more expensive, putting them out of reach for some people, which makes this a real environmental justice issue. And for those who do have the luxury of being able to shop for what they hope will be safer products, I think with all that we've been hearing, people can have one of two reactions. They can get angry and start throwing out all the things in their lives that they consider hazardous. And that alone can pose challenges. Because for many of the products that have endocrine-disrupting chemicals, there aren't necessarily safer alternatives. Or there just isn't enough information about those alternatives to make a judgment call. Right, that's where we worry about regrettable replacements. But some people react in the opposite way. They feel like the problem is just so big that there's nothing that can be done. That feeling of, everything is killing me! It's all awful, so I'm throwing my hands up in the air. I can't protect myself from everything, so why bother with any of it? Right, but both of these reactions can be harmful, just as extreme reactions often are. What we've heard from these experts is that there are things we can do. Some of them are things we can do individually, and that's great. There are things we can do to reduce our exposures. But those big picture things, those are things we need to do too. To protect the most vulnerable, the people that don't know about endocrine disruptors or can't afford to avoid them in places where some people can shop their way around the problem, bigger actions are needed. When it comes to those bigger actions, we've heard some things that need to be done. Better testing of chemicals, stronger actions by regulatory agencies, and an understanding of what it means to protect public health. Because prevention, the best and strongest prevention, starts upstream. Time to jump into the EDC River, above the waterfall. Time to start figuring out why people are ending up in the EDC River. Time to put a stop to whatever is causing them to end up in the river. We know that upstream of the waterfall, there are many bridges. Some are well-built, but others are crumbling and getting old, and some were never built to begin with. It's time that we demand prevention that protects public health. Let's get those bridges built, and let's take care of them. like to extend our thanks to Dr. Bruce Lamphier, Dr. Jenna Warner, Dr. Leonardo Trasande, and Professor Yusef Olhot for their special contributions to this episode. A Daily Dose is a production of the SCOPE Summer Research Program at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. SCOPE is funded by a grant from the National Institutes of Health, National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences. These episodes were written and produced by Jillian Hughes, Mayra Lima, Hennessy's Medina, Elise Pierce, Hannah Power, and Jody Zismore.